Hey friends, it's Shawnee, your nerdy girlfriend from simpleonpurpose.ca. Welcome to Simple Saturdays. For those of you who are new here, Simple Saturdays started as an email newsletter years ago, and thousands of you love it and read it, and you tell me that it's a little coffee break together. And I love that so much. I love the idea of us having coffee together, all of that. What you will find is that the email newsletter usually has some bonus photos or some behind the scenes kind of of like life with me and my family. So if you are listening to the podcast, I encourage you to also stop by the website and subscribe to the email version of Simple Saturdays. That way you won't miss one. This past week was my daughter's seventh birthday and it was a really fun birthday party, but it also reminds me that we do birthday parties different in our family. And I don't think we have the right way or the answer. We do what works for us as a family. And I really do admire a mom who embraces the birthday theme. Maybe she's been on Pinterest, she rents a space, she invites the whole class to come. I have a lot of respect for that mom. But I also have to respect the mom that I am. And I know that all of those logistics, all of that planning, all those people will turn me into a stress ball. And that's okay, because what I believe is that we can still create ways to make my kids feel celebrated and that they can have a really memorable, fun day. We don't have to all do the same thing. So I'll let you know a little bit about what we do in our family. Birthday parties in our family are often family, friends who come over. We have a birthday dinner and birthday cake. The birthday kid gets to pick all of that. It's easy, it's simple, and they still feel like celebrated and special. And then when they turn six, we let them have their first friend birthday, and we do limit the amount of friends that they have over so we can keep it simple, so we can do something fun, like my son took his friends to a tubing park, and they spent the day tubing in the snow. And what we're trying to encourage them to do is to pick some of their closest buddies and have an experience together. And then there's loot bags, and my kids are like bananas for loot bags. I don't blame them. They're like a little bag of everything fun. But my own mental chatter, and this is just me, is that I want to have something that's really like contributing to zero waste or something that's practical but still fun. Throw in a giant chocolate bar to, you know, really like placate the kids. And I try to keep loot bags simple, cost-effective. One really cool loot bag I saw were microwave bags of microwave popcorn. Like my kids love that. They threw it in the microwave. It was their own thing. And it was simple. There was no like plastic that broken pieces that ended up in my garbage. It was awesome. And as minimalism has brought us face to face with all the stuff that comes into our home, we also try to be more mindful about the gifts that we are giving. And we try to give gifts that allow an experience to happen. So something that we can do together as a family, something that they can do on their own or do with their friends. Okay, we aren't a no gift family. Gifts are magical when they are thoughtful and really like playing to someone's passions and interests. There's always a place for gifts. But I want us to also think there's always a place for experiences because when you tell someone, hey, I want to spend time with you, that speaks so loudly. I want to spend time with you doing this thing that I think you're really going to like and I want to be part of that. So when we give experience to other people or when we create a birthday that's an experience, I think that's sending a really powerful message of closeness and enjoyment with one another. I'll link to a post in the show notes about some birthday experiences that we have done in the past. Um, Some recent gifts we've given are a pet fish for my son when he was five, a bedroom makeover for Linnea, a scooter and helmet for Dawson. Um, This past year, Levi was just so into Nerf guns, we gave him a Nerf gun with a target set up so it could be a lot more interactive. And this year, for Linnea, 
she really is into horses. She really wants to do horse riding lessons. So we're going to send her to horse camp. But we also know that she wakes up on her birthday and she just feels so loved by gifts. Gifts are her love language, gifts and crafts. So we made her this wooden horse, the pictures in the email newsletter, and we bought her some, um, like those that Spirit TV show, we bought her some play horses from Spirit. She loved it all. We also keep the food simple, it's by request, whether that's burgers and fruit salad or frozen pizza and veggies. And then we make a cake. They get to pick their cake, what the flavors are. Sometimes it's from scratch, sometimes it's from the box. But what I've noticed is my kids think it's now a family tradition to get your favorite Legos out and arrange a Lego scene onto the cake. And they think that's how cakes should be decorated with Legos and sprinkles, it's pretty cute. So I know we are a bit against the norm when it comes to birthdays, and I don't say any of this to say our way is the right way, others are incorrect, because I don't believe that to be true. I believe that what works for your family is what you should do. And I just wanna give all moms the freedom to birthday from a place of peace and purpose, because that really allows you to show up and truly celebrate this person in front of you with more freedom and more intention. So June is a very special month. Like I said, it's Linnea's birthday, it's Connor's birthday, it's the birth and anniversary month of many of our friends, it's our own dating anniversary for 15 years and our marriage anniversary for 11 years. June always makes me incredibly <laughs> introspective about marriage and love and kind of reflective of what we've been learning this past year and what we've learned over the past 15 years. I shared on Instagram that last week we woke up on our anniversary, we carried on with life. So we were camping, there was no cell service, and we were just going through the motions you go through when you're camping. So make breakfast, tidy up, get everyone out outside, give them unwanted lessons about plan identification. And then we had camp all packed up and we're rolling down the road back into town. And I looked at Connor and I'm like, it's our anniversary today. <laughs> and should we do something? Like we both forgot, but it's, it's okay. Like we celebrated kind of our dating anniversary and we knew that we were going to be on the road doing this. And we got back into cell service and our phones chime with messages saying happy anniversary from people who remembered hours ago. So we celebrated the way we know how we went to Canadian Tire. <laughs> and yelled at all of our kids for everything they were pulling off the shelves and continued on with the longest road trip we have done in recent history. So as I'm thinking about marriage, I don't want to make light of the fact that our marriage has come with a lot of struggle on both our ends. And I shared a post called, when they tell me I'm lucky to have him. And it's what I think about when people say that I'm lucky to have Connor. As if I like lucked out on someone who could read my mind and do the dishes and meet my emotional needs and handles conflict like the Dalai Lama. First of all, no, he's not all of those things. And nor should he be. I don't think any spouse is capable or should be required to do all of those things. Second of all, luck has nothing to do with anything. Last year, Connor and I wrote another post together. Well, he shot out ideas and I put all the body of words around them about a list of things that can strengthen and heal a marriage. I took a lot of what I've also been learning in life coaching and applied it to that post. I'll share them both in the show notes. But this past week of being on the road and camping and traveling with kids has really forced me to, um, to get a lot more mindful in my marriage. And yes, mindfulness in my marriage is something I've been working on for the past few years. But this week, it was a lot of anxiety. 
I couldn't relax. I couldn't really enjoy myself. I could feel myself getting annoyed. So I knew that I needed to like really dig a lot harder into this. I wasn't paying attention to what was annoying me. So my brain found a lot of other good reasons to be annoyed, which is what we do, right? We get uncomfortable, something's annoying us, we don't pay attention, but we have this annoyance. So we start externalizing it. We give it a scapegoat, usually blaming other people or their actions for the thoughts and feelings that we haven't even been paying attention to. It makes it really easy to let yourself off the hook for responsibility to work through your own mental garbage pile. (laughs) So this was me this week. I needed mindfulness and it's such a buzzword, but like there's so much power in this. So what I do, this is my mindfulness. This is how I coach myself through these things. I get alone and I just really drill down into what's happening in my thought life. I ask my myself questions like, what am I feeling? When did I start feeling it? What am I making it mean? My personal favorite, and there's another blog post about this, is the question, is it true? I'll also ask myself, what am I trying to get out of this situation? Oh, those motives, they're sneaky. We don't realize what they're doing and how they're making us act. (laughs) But what do I really want the most? Like, what do I value right now? And how am I getting that? How can I shift my thinking to empower myself to live in line with the values I have and how I show up right now? So I had to stop and investigate my thoughts and my feelings like multiple times a day, which I usually do this a few times a day, just in daily life, in marriage and motherhood. But this was exceptionally more. And the more I'm doing this, the more I am learning some really bad thought patterns I have that are running this show. They are thoughts like, I have to do this alone, or why aren't they helping me? Or everyone is so needy. They never pay attention. I wish they could blank. I, I'm frustrated. They need to fix this or they're frustrated with me. I need to fix this. And just saying these things out loud, they're bringing tears to my eyes because these are the thoughts that are just running the show. They're the programming that we operate with. We learned it from childhood, how we interpret the world. We barely notice them unless we pay attention to this autopilot, this subconscious way of thinking that's telling us this story and affecting how we show up in our life. Practicing mindfulness brings awareness to them. Awareness is the light you shine on all these dark corners of your mind that are filled with cobwebs and junk, and it helps you know where you need to do the house cleaning. So mindfulness is the first step. It doesn't mean you need to start going to therapy or counseling, just paying attention. What's happening in my brain? What stories am I telling myself? What thoughts am I thinking? And how am I expecting other people to solve these problems for me? Because I'm too uncomfortable to sit with it and work through it. Yeah, I wasn't expecting this to turn into like a mini life coaching workshop on marriage. But what I did intend to share with you is that as I reflect on the month of June and marriage, it really always makes me respect the highs and the lows of marriage and viewing it as the full experience. We won't always be happy. Things won't always be easy, but I want to encourage you to take responsibility for how you are showing up in your marriage and start with mindfulness. Now, I will also say marriage is a topic that comes up with every single mom I coach, regardless of the other issues that we are coaching on. And if you want a free mini session, they're about half hour long. We can work through a marriage struggle you are facing. Book a call. There is a link in the show notes. 
Finally, I want to talk about simple style because every season I pull out all my weather appropriate clothes like the good Canadian I am and then I start looking at what everyone else is wearing and I want one of everything. I start making like mental shopping lists about what to buy. I fill up online carts and I abandon them and I just like look at my closet with disgust. <laughs> but really, I do like my clothes. I've spent the past years editing my closet to keep what I really like to wear. But I still spend the first half of every season admiring all the new trends, all the cute things I see on other people. Oh, I want to know where they bought it. I would just love to line my closet with a whole new wardrobe. And then something happens that brings me back to reality. For instance, this week I was packing for five days away. I put together some outfits and put them into my bag. And then I'm like, I should probably add more. And now I have enough for like 10 days instead of five days. And I look into my closet and there's still lots left. And I get taken back to the times I've done the mom's 30 for 30. That's the challenge of wearing 30 items for 30 days. And we shared them on Instagram and on the blog. And every single time, I've done like seven of these challenges, every single time I relearn that I have so much, I have great clothes. I just need to start getting more creative with them. So if you are feeling like your summer wardrobe is just totally black, I've got some steps for you to take before you go out and spend all your money on all of the new clothes. So the first step is to get rid of anything you don't want to wear. If you don't feel good in it, if you don't feel like yourself in it, let it go. It's just burdening your closet, burdening your brain every time you look at it. Even if that means, and you're like, Shauna, well, that leaves like 10 items in my closet. That's fine, because if those 10 items you love, you can mix and match them, you can wear them, and make a plan to get things you actually do like. Stop wearing clothes you don't want to wear. The next thing is to unfollow, unsubscribe any accounts that make you feel like you need more or you're not enough. Just like do that for life, period. <laughs> it doesn't have to be just for style. And then if you do want outfit inspiration, search Pinterest by that specific item. Look up like red shorts ideas or yellow sundress ideas, and then shop your closet to see what you can make work with what you already have. Another step you could take is to count how many shorts, shirts, skirts, and dresses you have. This is going to put in perspective the amount of outfits you could make in one month. It's probably more than you could wear the whole summer. The next step, and I think this is just so valuable, is to practice getting dressed because that's what gives you the time to put things together, to try different things, try accessories, try different combinations that you don't take every morning and then you just default to the same clothes you always wanna wear. So whether you want to take time like an hour and put on some music, try on outfits, send selfies to your lady friends, or whether you want to challenge yourself with something like a mom's 30 for 30 or a 10 for 10 or a 14 for 14, whatever, just give yourself the time to practice putting your clothes together. And then if after all of this, you feel like there's gaps in your wardrobe, make a shopping list for just those items. This is what I try and do every time I shop is to shop with a list and stick to it instead of just going <laughs> and buying whatever's on sale, whatever I like, like that's, I need to put more intention around what I'm spending my money on. And another shopping rule I have is never buy it unless you love it. Don't waste your money on buying something just for the sake of buying something. Buy things that you love. I will be the first to humbly admit that looking around at all of the clothes when I know I have enough at home, I know I have more clothes than I need, I know I like my clothes, but I just lose the sight of it because I buy into this false idea that I could be more if I had more. 
And yes, and as a minimalist, I have wrestled with this idea in the stuff in my house, but it still pops up for me in other areas and clothes is one of them. I really enjoy clothes. I like clothes. And when I feel myself coming from a place of lack or not enough, then I know I need to step back and remember what I have is enough because I am enough. I don't need this extra stuff to make me more and neither do you. You are enough, just as you are. I hope that there has been some takeaways for you today. I would love to hear from you. Leave a rating and review on your podcast player. Find me on Instagram. I'm at simpleonpurpose.ca and you can message me there about things you'd like to hear more about, anything that's been helpful for you, and just to join in on the conversation on the Instagram feed. All right, guys, have a great weekend.